Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Brian, welcome back to the Business Leadership Podcast. I'm super excited, super happy to have you here today. Hey, happy to be back. This has been a great series. I've really enjoyed hosting the podcast with you, Edwin. No, this has been great. And we definitely need to think about doing this in the near future. But if you are listening to this for the first time, Brian, can you share with us what the first 100 days series is all about and why it's important and maybe why we're doing this? Yeah, of course. So at Infotech Research Group, we find that the first 100 days of being a new executive is so crucial to your success long term. So people are judging you as you enter that new organization and take on that new role. And they're really weighing that more heavily than any other time. So you have to come into the organization, get some quick wins, establish credibility, learn all of the operations, and then set your vision for where the company is going in the future. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of things to do, and it's a short time to do it in. So we're trying to answer the question of, what are the best practices? What are the best ways to approach this? And that's the point of this research project and interviewing all these executives, doing all the reading that I've done for this project. We're trying to figure out how to help new executives succeed. And this is such an amazing insight for me. I learned quite a bit and I'm hoping that you listening out there will take a lot of value, whether you're seasoned executive or someone who's moving up into your first management executive role. And also what I hear as well in feedback is maybe you have, or you've identified someone who you want to bring up and this research, these interviews will help them move into their role and help them succeed their first hundred days. So Brian, who do we have on today's episode? We have Alan Fong. He's the CTO at Dealer FX. And I thought it was interesting that Alan was hired to Dealer FX as the chief technology officer by a recruiter. So, you know, most of the executives I interviewed for this project did find their new opportunity through a recruiter. And there are so many recruitment firms out there. Most of them are targeting executives as a prime target. And Edwin, I think it's just one symptom of a competitive market for talented leaders and a reminder that these days we can't expect any executives to stay in one place for a really long tenure. That's a good point, Brian. Um, for those who may or probably may not know, I spent some time as a as a tech recruiter, and the reason why Alan got targeted from a recruiter is he was previously the chief technical officer at Fleet Complete, which serves in the sort of same industry as dealer FX within the car industry, but in a very different segment. But he successfully grew and scaled the technology. And I think that's where dealer FX is at this point where their software, their solution are made for the dealers across the world and how they manage their fleet and everything associated to running their dealership. Okay, good. Keep in mind, let's listen to how Alan approached that recruitment experience. 
Actually, I wasn't really looking. Uh, it just came through as one of the, you know, in this in this market, it, it just came through. Uh, usually I ignore them, but I was already in the automotive tech side of things, uh, but it was more on the commercial vehicle side. And when this opportunity came by, I saw that it was on the consumer vehicle side. Uh, so that always intrigued me, and, and it basically just went on from there. Alan only had five weeks to prepare for his new job. It's too bad he couldn't fit in some vacation time here, but he did do his foundational research. He took time to research the industry he was entering, considering his competitors, and he even started getting familiar with the product from a user perspective. I found that super interesting that he did that. Well, I had uh, no time in between organizations, and I highly recommend not doing this. But, uh, you know, uh, just because of the, the way things worked out. Uh, it was really about five weeks from the time I agreed to join to actually getting into the office of the new organization. Uh, so it wasn't really physically preparing myself, but more mentally preparing myself. Um, it would have been great to take time off, but I didn't have that luxury. But what I did do for those five weeks was I started learning about this new space, uh, the, the consumer side of the auto tech space. Uh, and I was getting into it from into it from all different levels. Like at the macro level, I look for um, industry research analysis, uh, competitive market analysis, and just general information about the space. Uh, I was basically in pure sponge mode, right, uh, trying to absorb as much as I could. Uh, at a micro or or the working level, I actually you know engaged my new employer and and got login information to the platform so I could click around, get a sense of the product, the usability, the features, and really try to come at it from a user's point of view without knowing much of it. Um, Because it's a really rare experience and feeling you get from that. Um, Because once you've gotten on the inside, you become part of the building of the product. There's a different mindset, right? That you have to constantly shift back and forth between a user and builder type mentality. Alan also said he met several of the business leaders from Dealer FX even before he started. Edwin, that is so great and definitely a good idea to do if you have the chance. Sometimes you have to wait until you're at the office to start meeting everyone, which is okay. Just make sure that you map out your key stakeholders as soon as you're able to. I recommend writing out the names of the people in your sphere of influence diagram. Base it on who you'll be able to impact the most and who you still have some influence over, but can't impact that much. You know, before going into an organization, Mm -hmm. you have to definitely know what's the mode that it's in. Think about that STARS acronym that we've talked about here before. Is it a startup? A turnaround situation? Are we accelerating growth? Is this a realignment? Or are we just sustaining success? As we see from Alan, it's rarely just a clean answer. Really exciting space. And you knew from a a macro level that it was hot and it was ripe for disruption. It was a matter of who was going to do that and how are they going to go do it? And would they be doing it the right way? So DFX, you know, is one of those companies that was the 10 year overnight success story. (laughs) Uh, Over the last number of years, you know, their, their growth skyrocketed. And as we all know, success doesn't come without any of the the challenges, right? So now they were constantly thinking about um, things like, how do we handle the growth for tomorrow? And that's where I found myself coming into the picture, right? And that was just a mere 40, 45 days ago. But I knew that that coming in, there's great people here, there's a great team in place. Um, and through those discussions with those folks, 
uh, I also knew that we had to realign to adapt for that future, right? Um, things that a 300 person company might do in the past might not be the same things that a 400 plus person company would need to do. So we want to continue on sustaining the success that we're going through, but at the same time, realign ourselves to be able to handle that, that growth that we're expecting. Edwin, how many day ones at a new job can you remember having? Man, countless, but maybe not as significant as being a new executive (laughs) in a growing organization. Yeah. I mean, I can remember all of my day ones, I think, at all the different jobs I have because it's a big moment for anybody and all that change, it's very memorable experience. But with an executive, you know, we tend to go easy on staff, like new employees that come into that lower level role. Because we we just expect they'll take some time to adjust. They have things to learn. But for some reason with new executives, we just intend to expect them to be impervious to those challenges. Like they can just come in and take action right away and fix all of our problems. But listen to how Alan handled that. <laughs> I treated it like stepping foot in a new country. Everything was new, but yet everything was still familiar, right? Um, and in fact, this specific organization, Dealer FX, was was very familiar because the first startup that I joined uh, was in the same floor in the same building of this high-tech office space. They've revamped the entire place. It looks completely different, but it's the exact same place. So uh, that that was a warm yet eerie feeling. Uh, I felt a little bit nervous, uh, but more so excited to be such a part of such a a great um, growth story. Uh, And I had this you know, a huge urge to really want to start contributing from day one, um, which, uh, you know, I knew that I needed to resist that urge. (laughs) There was one regret I heard from some of the executives I interviewed was that they would get bogged down with the operational tasks too quickly. It's really common to wish they'd had more time learning about the organization. And Alan's only 45 days in, but it sounds like he's trying to navigate that challenge too. I guess with any new job, it feels like drinking through a, a fire hose type thing. But other than that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressure, I think mostly internally within myself uh, and some external pressure to come in and just do, like it's just execute. Um, and I'm really trying to resist that urge and then counterbalance it with my own desire to learn and absorb as much information as possible. And, and really the reason for that is, you know, I, I don't want to make any misinformed decisions or do things without knowing the entire situation, right? So, so it's always good to, to listen, learn. Uh, you know, I think there's an expectation that um, we want to do things well. So let's not make any missteps, uh, especially in the first little while. Good call, Alan. In a situation like this, it's more important to spend time listening to staff and learning about the business than it is to get involved in everything and start making decisions. Alan seems to approach that in a more casual way, but he highlights the importance of getting a sense of what's in the cultural environment. I introduced myself pretty easily, you know, hi, I'm Alan. (laughs) And for the most part, I didn't do anything different than I would if I met someone for the first time in in a social setting. I wanted to learn their interests, their background, how they got to where they were today. And I always find that super interesting, that that story that everyone has that's so intrinsic to them. Uh, that type of stuff really intrigues me and, and gives me a sense of, you know, the, the core values and, and beliefs that they have uh, and how that could potentially line up to their role, right? 
Just being able to talk to individuals like this and make some observations of how people in your business are interacting, that can provide a great insight into the type of culture that you're entering into. I think it's worth trying to write down and measure some of those cultural characteristics because for executives, it informs how they approach their leadership style and what sort of changes that they might want to make. So there's a few different types of culture that exist in a business. You know, we're always talking about the importance of business culture, but what are some of the cultural archetypes out there, right? Mm -hmm. Well, here's a few to keep in mind. You can have a clan style which is more personal and family-like. You can have an ad hocracy, which is more entrepreneurial and risk-taking. You can have a hierarchy type of organization, which is controlled and structured. Or there's the market culture, which is competitive and achievement-oriented. That's great, Brian. Appreciate sharing that. And what we've been hearing, Brian, over and over again in our interviews and in the first 100 days is how executives establish early wins within their first 100 days. So let's hear what Alan has to say as he's about halfway there. I think there's always the, the low effort, high value type things that you can do, uh, especially, you know, to to establish, you know, some confidence or or, or let folks know that we're, we're on our way to making changes, right? So it depends on where you go. You know, some places they want product features done that everyone's been dying for, but it's just weird things that put it on a different priority than anything else, right? Uh, some other places it's about getting some quick dollar savings. So, uh, you know, for uh, some places I, I've used my previous experience in relationships with vendors to get us some really quick dollar savings and, and, and that helped sort of establish those quick wins. I love how Alan is thinking about those first initiatives with that high value to low effort matrix. You know what? It's exactly how we do it at Infotech as well. Another consideration should be whether it's possible the initiative can fail or not. If there's any risk at all, do not pursue it at this time. Your quick wins have to be something that will not fail. Or as Alan puts it, a no-brainer. For me, it's really just about getting a balanced view of the situation, the people and the goals. One place that I went to, um, you know, I made the mistake of keeping around a toxic employee for way too long. And, and it just really caused a lot of unnecessary chaos, right? So uh, coming into future roles, I, I made it a, a point to make sure that I do even like overload myself with these one-on-ones, get a good balance of the situation. And uh, things that were sort of no-brainers, let's just make those decisions uh, because somebody else just didn't have the time to make it or didn't spend the time to make those decisions. Those were just the no-brainer ones that you would go do. Often when executives dive into a new role, they can be so busy meeting everyone at the organization that they forget the outside world exists. But this is a time when you want to call upon your support network. And it sounds like Alan is doing that. When I start a new um, opportunity, I, I retrospect on, on what I could have done better. And one of the things was around mentorship. You know, I have some few key mentors that I go back to on a regular basis to, you know, just share experiences and get their feedback and advice. Um, but I was so entrenched with diving in for a new opportunity that I sort of delayed those regular meetups and feedback sessions with those that I respect and trust the most. Now, you know, in retrospect, common sense sort of didn't, you know, pull through there, right? It's like, hey, 
if you trust and respect these people, these are the folks that you should be going to talk to more, especially during these times of transition and change, right? So that's one thing that I've I've made sure that I'm I'm doing more of this time around. To wrap this up, let's listen to Alan's advice to other executives going into new roles. The advice I'd give to you know a lot of people, even my you know my son and and everybody else, but it's like listen, listen, and then learn, and listen, and learn again. You, you can't make decisions, you can't lead a team forward if you don't listen to what they want and what they think we should be doing. Uh, otherwise, you just be in this bubble all by yourself, uh, rolling forward. So listen and learn. Um, you know, read books. There's great books uh, for things like this as well. And just drive forward that way. I totally agree with Ellen. Listening and learning is so important. And I think that most of the time, executives need to be disciplined against that first impulse to act. But action is a part of the equation here. Alan said himself that he was able to get some quick wins. And he also learned from a past situation where delaying action and getting rid of that toxic employee was a mistake. So you have to make sure that you're applying the right amount of action for the sort of situation that you're in. I mean, that's absolutely right, Brian. I mean, it's so great hearing over the last couple episodes, all the different experiences that some of these executives, some of our guests had to share everything from global organizations like Intel to startups like Willful. It's so, every situation is unique, but ultimately, and what Alan is saying, you come in listening and then taking action and maybe starting to get the quick wins with low risk opportunities. Brian, this has been an absolute pleasure doing this first 100 days. Can you share with us maybe some final insights, your thoughts, and where we could find more information about your research in the first 100 days? Yeah, well, this has just been a great experience to do this podcast series with you, Edwin. And there is so much more material to look through. If you're an executive that's going into your first 100 days, you're changing your job or you're thinking about it, or maybe you just got promoted and you're executive for the first time, congratulations. <laughs> the first thing you should do is visit Infotech's website. So come to infotech.com slash first 100. That's infotech.com slash first 100, first, all lowercase, 100 numbers, 100. And you'll see all of the resources we have to offer on whether you're a new leader of any type, you can find the best practices for your situation. That's amazing, Brian. Again, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time and joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much, Edwin. I've totally enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Help me.